All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Turn Zero Gaming. We are here. It is the X-Men and Brotherhood release. Our music is pumping. And we are so excited to sit down and discuss all of this really wonderful and exciting. Just November wave is great. So with me, as always, is Chris and Todd. How are y'all doing? I'm good. We uh, played another game that shall not be mentioned today. Sogi has put the kibosh on it so uh but it went well i got third um so i'll take it so i'm pretty happy about that yeah man uh it's been a good weekend um x-men came out magic came out flesh and blood came out like we, it's been a busy <gasps> the game weekend. that shall not be mentioned Todd. i didn't say you can't talk about flesh I, and blood it's been I a never busy said weekend that. it's just been a busy yeah weekend there's been a lot of stuff going on like, I, I did you guys get any models? good pulls for Commander? Like, I actually care about the Magic release because so I'm a Commander player. I actually sold out of all of my uh, Commander Legends stuff, so I didn't actually get to pull anything. Wait, and you guys didn't get to draft? Like, that was the whole big thing is you could do a draft out of the box, right? We had planned to, but our pre-orders ended up a little higher than we had initially expected. Um, so, like, I had to make sure my pre-orders were full, so we – the guys drafted here um, with one of the boxes somebody else had bought. Um, so like one of the pre-order boxes they use for a draft. Um, How many people they, draft out of that box? Because it's a hundred cards. And I think it's only eight. 30, 36 packs. No, it's twenty-four packs. So what? You just—it's not a full hundred-card deck then? No, you, it's a sixty-card. It's more like a brawl. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say like, how do you how do you draft a hundred card deck? I was like, I guess you have to do two boxes for eight people. No, okay. no, you do a um, you do a sixty-card deck. Okay. Did anyone get any like nice foil alt art cards out of that box? Um, we saw some of the new etched foils um, that were popped. Um, we saw some of those new jeweled lotuses and some of the other stuff. Um, there, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. Okay. But this isn't a magic podcast. <laughs> Alas, it is not a Magic the Gathering podcast. But we could talk about it. Flesh and Blood. You guys can talk about that game all you want. I don't play it. I don't. I don't really care. So, you know, be my guest. You can say all the flesh and blood you want, and I'll just keep on going with Marvel. So um, let's talk a little bit about some of the games we've been playing. So I know you guys have been playing in the shop. I've been playing on TTS. We've got a lot of – I think I've got like 15 or 20 reps in with X-Men and Brotherhood. Like, it's a fun affiliation. So what are you guys – like – what are you guys pulling from getting these games in? Also, how do the models look? I've seen a lot of pictures online. I saw Todd had his uh, custom modded Cyclops coming out of the ground. Is he is he dead? Like that was my question. Is he like stuck in the ground? Like what's what's the story on that model? He's buried to the waist up, um, upside down, in an open <laughs> grave. <laughs> it's very nice. Who did that? Was that Logan? Um, I, I don't really care who did it, but I applaud them. <laughs> We'll have to put a picture up of the podcast because it's pretty good. (laughs) It's pretty good. I like it. I stole that. So we we recently just did a – so for people listening, we just did a shot – a guest spot on third floor that will be coming out sometime in the near future, which is primarily a Malifaux podcast. Um, But in Malifaux, you have these small bases that are used to mark corpses. And I had done like something similar with corpse markers in that game where I had like body parts thrown about. And uh, I was like, you know what? That's a perfect Cyclops model. So that's what I did to Cyclops. Um, what are you going to do with the top half? Um, throw it in the garbage. Can it's I have it? Gone. I don't even know where it is, to be honest with you. Oh, come on, dude. It might still be on the sprue. Maybe. I might have set it on fire. 
Um, I haven't gotten through all my models yet, but my understanding is they've made a return to really finicky small parts. There's a couple. Uh, Storm in particular is very uh, springy and bouncy. Yeah, she looks like she's on a spring. Yeah. So there's some difficult model pieces. Like, we're not talking surety level. Yeah. But we're getting there. So hopefully uh, that's just a one-off and the next set of models will be a little more uh, sturdy. But. I, I will say I feel like we might have gotten spoiled with the couple releases before this. Maybe. Um, <laughs> like when you look at like Kingpin. Yeah. Like, like Kingpin was, you know. He's, he's just, like Legos. He's a fairly round, <laughs> rotund guy. He was not in a real heavy his action His legs just pose. plugged into his. Yeah. <laughs> so like I feel like we might have gotten spoiled a little bit and the spiders were super simple to put mm-hmm. together. Um, so uh, the, these, while they were definitely more work to put together than the last few releases, um, were, were nowhere near as bad as like Shuri level yeah. pieces. They look good. Yeah, they look really good. Uh, and I think these are probably some of the easiest to mod, um, figures that they put out in the wild too. Yeah, sure. When you only put half a model well, yeah, face yeah. planted in the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like it, I thought I thought it was a lot of fun to put Cyclops together. It's literally just his legs sticking out of the dirt. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It felt good. It felt good to put him together. Very cathartic. Yeah. Just let it out, Todd. I did. Did you and literally I, just snip the bottom part, like his legs, and then glue it to the Oh yeah. The the that was it. Like it was yep. literally like snip glue, we're done. Yep. Yep. And then I'm Very. I'm gonna green foam some like, you know, dirt around him and make it look like he's actually stuck in the ground but like yeah that's that's all i did and i did get to play a game against um cyclops and he died which felt (laughs) really good like i I will say this has been like the most like cathartic release i've had like to just get out aggression you have towards (laughs) one person that you've never never been able to get your hands around his neck and now you can like, this has felt really good. Well, this speaks to a larger issue, but he's not a real person, Todd. I don't care. <laughs> I, I just don't care. <laughs> oh, man. The the reality is Scott Summer is not real. Scott's hatred is legitimate, though. Yeah. What's wrong with this picture? <laughs> yeah, I feel it in my bones. So, but well, no, uh, I, I will on the flip side, like I, I joke about Scott, how much I hate him personally, like from the comic books and everything and every printed media ever made and his entire existence. But him on the field, him in the game is actually really, really interesting. He's not a bad character. Nope. Uh, we I, told you this. I, I, well, I know this, but like for me looking at a card, like every one of these characters for me looking, I can say anything I want before I actually put them on the field. Um, because it's all just like me rambling off at the mouth. But once you get them on the table and you can see how they actually interact and play with other things, like that's where they really start. You are, you start to see where your value comes in, and, and he does have legitimate value. Um, and I don't think it's just an X Men. I think he's a really good character for the game. Um, I'll never play him, but like Clearly. I can, like I can see why people would play him. You'll play he, half of him. I might. I might. <laughs> Does he get cover from being like a three and a half feet underground? Uh, he should have storms leading. So. Ah, okay, gotcha. But yeah, well no, 
But no, I, I mean, I, I do think his character is really good. I, I have played pretty much strictly with uh, Brotherhood since the release, and, and I've played into X-Men. But man, they are they are a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that the X-Men and Brotherhood release is arguably probably one of the best jumping off points for the game since the core set or Web Warriors, because there's so much going on in both factions. Um, they do similar things, like they're both very aggressive, minimal control, minus like Mystique and her card. But if you if you look at them on the surface, they play really well into each other. You know, when I look at X-Men and Brotherhood, it feels like um, starter decks for a lot of trading card games where they come out with like blue and red or good and bad or X and Y. And they play really well into each other because they're just designed to do that. But you can also decide to take those starter decks, add a couple more cards, and then you actually have a pretty well-functioning standard deck in terms of like Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. And X-Men and Brotherhood feel like a great template to start with. I'll buy X-Men, you buy Brotherhood, let's play some games. And then you go, okay, now I'm going to buy into, I don't know, Wakanda, Web Warriors, Asgard, Cabal. And then you go and play at your locals. And, you know, the X-Men or Brotherhood, that quote-unquote starter deck you began with, is a great staple to get started. And then you start adding on the things that complement your play style. And it's a really, really strong environment. And it's a really fun experience, I think. I, I feel like it's a, it's, a, it's a deeper pool to jump in. Uh, picking up the X-Men and the Brotherhood um, like than, than the core set. And, and I can see why they didn't make them a second core set now that you actually get to play with them because of the, the level of play ability that they have and like the player skill level it takes to get them up and running and feeling super efficient. Like they can go out there and just like you can play a casual fun game with them and they can be exactly like you said. They can be fun and a good jumping off point. But, like, the depth of play that you can get out of them is, I would argue, it's above and beyond any of the other releases. Um, well, the way they're set up, they're almost a core set, right? Because in order to yeah. play one faction, you got to buy both. Pretty much. So then you're getting, what is it, five characters on each side? Yeah. Uh, or four. Four characters four on, on each side. side. But you have four different affiliations. Yeah. Um, and then they came with 12 cards, which is more than your standard two per so you're including some reprints that are pretty impactful. Um, so they are almost like a core set. And you could buy the four boxes and split it with a buddy and play two, five, or four and four teams. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I think they set it up in a good way. And it, it gives you that core box feeling without having to, you know, invest in it or make it feel like a reset, like which is what AMG was talking about when they announced them. Yeah. I do. I do wish... Um, based on the experiences I've had with the objectives that they came with, I do wish they had a couple more objectives. Um, or, or I wish the objectives didn't feel, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. Uh, like the objectives are fine. They're not, they're not super exciting. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't feel like they really showcase the characters. Um, but they're they're good objectives. They're functional. Yeah. I mean, there's one that you can arguably not play competitively, but for screwing around with a buddy, if you get a you know exactly a set like, of the four over Christmas or something, it's cool for that. Yeah, like and and, and that's the thing, right? Like so, like if it was something that I was just going to play for fun, like they feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, super the, thematic and cool and yeah, and like, but the objectives just don't don't feel uh, like like they're not they they definitely won't be making a lot of competitive cuts. It is what I see out of the objectives, but they are fun, interactive objectives. They have interesting board states, um, but overall, less impressed. If there was anything that I wasn't impressed with out of this set, it would be the objectives. The tactics cards, however, the tactics cards are on point. Are super sweet. Yeah, they are. They are very good. And that is a great pivot into what we're going to be discussing on this week's show is the tactics in both boxes and their application, when and where to use them, all kinds of stuff. There's This is probably the spiciest tactics release we've seen in a hot moment because both X-Men and Brotherhood have really, really decent... Like, X-Men have good toys, and I think Brotherhood got probably the edge on them with a couple cards we'll talk about, but they're both good, like... There, I don't. There's probably maybe, maybe one dud out of all of these, and that's arguable. Like all of these have some kind of application. So uh, let's take a shot first at Brotherhood because I know a lot of people are super excited for Brotherhood. Todd's been repping Brotherhood, and I think that there's a lot of good stuff to digest, especially with uh, Deception from Mystique. So, uh, Todd, why don't you take the lead here and talk about some of your favorite tactics, what you like, what you didn't like, and uh, what you see, what you foresee in the meta with these cards coming into our uh, our pool of toys. To be to, to just throw it out there to start it off, I think Wakanda Forever is arguably probably one of the best cards uh, in the entire game because of the way that impacts the uh, the board state, right, mm-hmm. and, and the amount of things that it can pull off. That being said, I think Brotherhood has probably the best suite of cards. Maybe not the best single card, but it has the best suite of cards across a faction. Um, the, uh, the Book of Truths is effectively a recalibration matrix, um, but for one less, um, you get to reroll your skulls. And it's only your dice. Your opponent doesn't get to re-roll theirs. Yeah, so just to be clear, it's one power less, so it's two instead of three. Yep. And it lets you re-roll all of your dice for a single attack or defense. Yep. Like, I mean, and so the thing that was always really good about uh, tactical was, like, you got to re-roll everything, but the drawback was your opponent got to re-roll too. Mm-hmm. So there was always some chance for a feel bad. This one costs a power less, allows you to re-roll everything, including skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't get to re-roll. Like, that's pretty massive. Yeah. Um, and, and it's as as close as our uh, recalibration matrix got to making my eight every time I picked it, I'm going to be hard-pressed not to take this one in my eight. Yeah, I agree. Because, like you were saying, recal for a long time was like the ninth tactics card for me. Yeah. Um, and it ended up being valuable every time I played it. So... You know, it's locked to a faction here, which makes it cost one less. Plus, it's only for you. But it's could be so potentially powerful. Yeah. Like that can swing a game wide open for two, uh, which is sort of the idea with the tactics cards. Like, they're supposed to be super impactful. And and this one is super good. Like, I, I can't I, see not bringing it for Brotherhood personally. Yeah, I, I think it's it's far more impactful than um, Recal. Uh, yeah, we're going to do an alternate art and call it the Books of Todd and just have a picture of him, like, yelling 
at a yeah. book. Ah! I, I saw this card. And I'm like, oh, this is like literally Todd's card because you roll so bad. And now it's just like, Todd, pay two power. Get another chance. Oh, Soon, okay. Sooner disagrees with you. I know. We keep pushing that. And for the most part, it's true. And then he plays Sooner on TTS. And it's like, never mind. I am the God roller. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sooner, I, sooner hasn't known you as long as I've known you. Over the course of all oh, the games I've out. ever seen you play, yeah, you roll big poo-poos. Yeah, it, it'll even out. Sooner we'll see it come back around. So, sooner we'll have a game where you're going to roll like literally all skulls, and he goes, oh, Lord, <laughs> it, it's true. Yeah. But that's like a game-saving card for two. Yeah. Either on defense or on attack. Yeah. That's, like, that's crazy good to me. Yeah, like properly timed, this, this can pivot a game. Uh, and and we, we've seen it before, like – we just saw it in the TTS finals. Like, how good would that have been in the TTS finals? Like, mm-hmm. if Thanos had that opportunity <laughs> to just block one damage. Like, yeah, it's it's true because that happens in a lot of games where you try to take down a character and you need to land one damage and you roll like one attack, dan- like you show one success. And they show one block, and you're like, if I could only re-roll this, I, I'm rolling like, you know, six or seven dice, the odds of me hitting two damage, and they can't re-roll, are insanely high, but you just whiff. Like, paying two power to try and secure a kill or a, a daze, incredibly useful. Well, yeah. and, like, I, I really feel in MCP, like, that you're never really out of a game. Like, it's hard to feel a game slipping away from you. Usually there's at least, like, one clutch moment where you either miss a defense roll or miss an attack roll to finish somebody off. You've already put a lot of resources into it. Maybe you've maxed out everything your character can do. You've used a move, you used a throw, you used a push, you've used an attack. Like you've thrown everything you can and you can't get that one damage, but maybe this full reroll would let you do it. And we already see how strong full rerolls can be on characters like Nebula. Yeah. Right. Or so, Doctor Strange. Or Doctor Strange. Just just getting a chance to re-roll all your dice may be the, the thing that pushes the game in your direction. So I I'm totally fine taking, you know, single use cards that might put you in that clutch moment. And I think re-rolling skulls is what really is the the hidden gem on this card because like re rolling a bunch of blanks is great, but there's always that one game and that one round where you roll five dice and four of them are skulls. And you're just like, are you serious? And this this card allows you to just kind of ignore the fact that you kind of crit failed in like D&D terms and gives you a, a second chance to, once again, generally you're trying to stick one or two damage to take out a character and when you roll multiple skulls most things don't let you do any interaction with those dice. This card does and for one less power. So there's so many different reasons why this card has a lot of potential. And I agree. I think it's going to see a lot of play in the Brotherhood affiliation. I'll go one step farther. So imagine those turns where you actually complete whiff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you you spend your rerolls and you try and get the extra hits and you miss. And then your opponent gets to take their turn to actually decide if they want to reroll. And your opponent's like, well, shit, I don't need to reroll. I'm not going to look for any more hits. Really? Cool. Because I'm going to play this. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to reroll all my stuff. And since you forgo, you forgo that that point, this card kicks in after that. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you've got this in your hand, it's going to make your opponent have to go through all of those steps. Uh, because if they don't, they don't know when you're going to kick this off. True. Um, and if they miss it, that's your opportune time to play it. All for the low, low cost of two power, a.k.a. rounds one and two. Yeah. Or round one and getting punched in the face once. Yeah. Two's a sweet spot. I never feel bad spending two power. 
Yeah. But I do often feel bad spending three power if it doesn't work out for me. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about spending zero power? That's also good. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Because um, actually, before we get there, like you, you talked about um, tactics cards being single use. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I want to go with the next one, magnetic refraction. Um, this card is amazing. Um, and this card is not single use. This card, after you play it, you get to get it back into your hand. Seems busted. Um, this card. If, if you're using Brotherhood. If you're using, well, I mean, no, this is unaffiliated. You have to be using Magneto. But if you're, so. it says if your squad is using the Brotherhood of a Mutant's affiliation. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Megs, Megs can use it outside, but if he's inside of Brotherhood, Brotherhood. you get to uh, rinse, wash, repeat, young Padawan. Yeah. And this is pretty much. Just, like it's effectively Storm's leadership ability on a card, <laughs> and Magneto has two every every the start of every turn minimum. Like this this card is really good. I like I this is the first card that we've seen in this game that actually lets you repeat its use. Yeah, it's the only card with recursion so far. Uh, I think that's a I'm, massive. I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. this is a massive step. I kind of feel thematic for Magneto too, right? Yeah, like he's so powerful. He can just do this stuff. Storm's like coming in with her clouds. He's like, and what? Yeah, he can. He can technically do this all day with that card. <laughs> oh, there it is. There we go. Back to Avengers. So one of the things I like about the card, not only the effect, but I like the fact that AMG is actively doing recursion. And for those who don't know, that is a Magic the Gathering term where you're able to recur the same card and the same effect over and over and over, as opposed to in the current iteration of the game before. X-Men and Brotherhood came out, once you had used a tactic card, it was just gone permanently. Whereas Magnetic Refraction, as long as you follow the stipulations, you can continue to play the card. And I think that's important, not because we need a lot of recursion. I don't think recursion should be common. I think it should be exceptionally rare. But I think if it's added into a character's kit and it it creates a thematic... um, Bubble. So, like, you could easily have a Magneto, and all he does is just create terrain and throw terrain. And, like, that's pretty cool. But they decided to add in an additional layer where not only does he generate a lot of power, and he is 100% the centerpiece of Brotherhood, but his tactics also support this larger-than-life oppressive villain so he can offensively throw a bunch of stuff he can defensively use refraction and it doesn't go away and it just kind of creates this well-rounded monster and and that's exactly what he is in the comics and you you really don't want a limp noodle version of him on the tabletop you want him to be similar to what you expect to see him from the media that's portrayed him so uh, hats off to amg for creating someone who's offensively oppressive and has the defensive tools to keep himself and his team alive if he needs to. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I am. Th- this card is, I haven't gotten to play it yet. Um, this is on my short list of I need to get this in a list ASAP and mm-hmm. see what all it will do. Um, I, I think it's I think it's really, really good. Well, we already knew Storm's leadership was good in and of itself. Yeah. But the fact that the Brotherhood can bring it with Magneto and basically do it at you know, keep that same power going the entire game on top of all the other stuff is pretty crazy. It's insane. Um, like, so go the ahead. O- the only thing about this card that is a little bit problematic is with so many different options. So you have 
his ability to throw as much as he can. You've got the magnetic refraction. You've got his two power to roll his defense dice can't be pushed. And then you have magnetic crush. It does create a situation where Magneto does become very power hungry. And oh, yeah. it's nice to have all these options, but he doesn't generate enough power to actually play all of his tactics every turn and roll his defense bonus every turn and throw every turn. So you, you do come up to a situation where having these cards is great. However, you do have to ration when do I use this? Do I want to throw? Do I want cover? Do I want cover instead of a throw? Do I need to save up my defense because I'm going to get blasted by Shuri and I really don't want to get pushed off of this point? So it's well, it's you're one not of those stopping like, or pushing you, but it's it's a it's a kind of a give and a take for Magneto when it comes to all of the options he has available to him. Yeah, I, I and I can see that, but the fact that you can get the card back um, is massive because you get to decide that each turn, uh, and it's probably based on positioning and everything else, right? Um, do I need to be more aggressive with Magneto this turn, or do I need to pull back and like bolster up a little bit of defense in this center line, or, or you know wherever Magneto is? Like that, that, that to me, the idea that you have that much play in a tactics card when you only have five to begin with, and it's so limiting to start. Um, depending on how many people that are in range of him and are affected by it. Um, this card can can prevent a lot of things from happening pretty consistently. It's just a nice uh, toolbox card. Like you don't have to do it every turn, but you can use it when it's important <laughs> and critical. Or you can throw terrain or throw people or any number of different things. It's just another thing that you add to Magneto that makes him feel really strong. Yeah. And you, Dodd, you do know that if you spend the two power for force projection, uh, he can't be pushed or thrown, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like yeah, that. that part, just not across the board. Like, no, no, it's not an always-on thing. But you, ju- like, you always have two power because you start with one, and then you're always going to place a metal construct, giving you the second power. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but that's kind of what I was uh, alluding to, and Chris was talking about was Magneto always has power to do something, but he has too many options to pay for. So that's what creates an environment for strong players is determining. Do I use right. force Wait. projection, magnetic refraction, or do I throw something, so on and so forth? That's what makes him a fun support model. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's better than a support model. Um, but, right, that's exactly uh, – that's the same thing I was saying. Is like from turn to turn, you get to decide, is he aggressive this turn? Is he control? Is he defense? Well, you know, he, he has a lot more flexibility than most of the six-pointers um, than – like. Thanos probably has a little bit more flexibility with the, the stones, right? But he still has so much flexibility in what he can do each turn. He's he's a lot of fun to play, and this card is just an extension of that. Yeah, AMG is definitely nailing the feel and pressure of sitting across the table from a six-pointer. Uh, unfortunately, it also kind of makes Hulk a lot less interesting comparatively because I think Thanos and Magneto are very, very well-designed. I think Hulk was well-designed when he came out, but he's just kind of getting overshadowed by so much more of, like, the cool factor and the option factor, because both Magneto and Thanos have a lot of different ways they can approach a game state. Hulk kind of has to just run in and punch people. That's almost his only, like, playstyle option. Well, yeah, he's kind of a one-trick pony, right? He's just a gamma launcher at this point. 
He's, he's just facilitating in that way, and then he really just gets ignored the rest of the game and kind of does stuff. But I He's great really, for holding an herb. Yeah, <laughs> he's not I haven't going felt down threatened by soon. Hulk for a long time. It's usually the stuff that you bring with Hulk that is threatening. But let's talk about Asteroid M, a.k.a. Uh, Brothership. It's got the literal exact same ability as Mothership from Black Order. Have you guys used that yet in your games? Because I've used it, and boy, this card is nice. <laughs> it is real nice to just teleport Magneto right to the front lines. And you're like, oh, that's not good. So I haven't used it myself, and that's only because I've been experimenting with other cards that I don't you know, fully know their power level yet. Um, Asteroid M is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, we use it effectively anytime we play Black Order, at least I do. So I know what I'm getting out of it. So I don't haven't really had the need to test it yet, but I don't have any specific examples. Do you have anything you've used Asteroid M for, Todd? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Oh yeah. Um. So I was playing uh one of my, with Joey, uh this past Friday, and he was playing with the uh, defenders with portals. Okay. Uh oh. I know where this is going. On gamma. And uh -oh. so <laughs> I was able to uh take a quick teleport. Like Hitchhiker from uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, right to the back portal, drop Mystique on the backside, double tap into Hawkeye, get a couple power, teleport Magneto right onto the back point, and was like, "What's up? I'm scoring three. <laughs> oh, and I keep uh, I keep priority. So uh, guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just curb stomp your uh, your Hawkeye next turn. <laughs> Poor so Clint. Did he have an arrow for that scenario? I don't think he did. At least if he did, he forgot where he put it. You know, dazing himself is an arrow. Just, you know, save one for yourself in the case of an emergency. Well, he didn't have time. Oh. <laughs> That's too fast, huh? <laughs> it, it was so fast, he just got vaporized before he could, like, just... Yeah, I, it, I mean, I, I, we know what Asteroid M is, like, from 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 uh, from the, uh, the Black Order. So, like, but this is one of the cards that makes Black Order tick. Mm-hmm. Especially with the loss of drop-off. Uh, so th this card is massive there. And it's arguably just as good, if not better, in... The bros. The bros. I mean... Bros. Bros. The brothership bros. sounds like a happening place. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'd I hang would, out there. I would hang out on the brothership. Plus, they got Mystique. She's cool. They probably play board games on the brothership. Maybe. Maybe. I think they have hookers and blow. They probably play All flesh right, and blood up there. <laughs> flesh I, and blood. I, I, I see you, Bender. Oh, boy. Here we go. Back to Flesh and Blood again. I knew so, it. Just, just waiting. Brothership's always got a game of Flesh and Blood if you're looking for one. Yeah, right. <laughs> so. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the outliers. So, Magnetic Crush. I'm, uh, I'm not sure I love this card. I like what it can do, but I really like five power for throwing a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's hard to commit to this. Now, that said, if you do commit to this, I don't see a problem with it. Like, this this thing has the chance to be massive. Because um, there is no cap on the number of dice you can actually add with this. <laughs> so, like, on certain maps, like, and we've seen some crazy maps on TTS where you could make this thing do an ungodly amount of damage to something. Um, and if you stack that with, say, this uh, Book of Truth. Oh, boy. Um, it, I feel like that's going to hurt. I feel like you're going to feel that. Probably. Probably. So It's just a twisted metal wreckage <laughs> coming your way yeah, out of nowhere with, with <laughs> I guess, a book attached to it. With a book. Uh, Shout-outs to the uh, PS5 release. I see. Got you. I see you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so here's a question I want to pose to you guys. 
in real life, because th- like once COVID ends, that's really where these cards are actually going to see play. Um, you know, TTS is fun, but that's not where we're going to see, you know, major tournaments. And once we get to con season in 2027, who knows when that is. But w- what do you think the viability of getting more than like two pieces of terrain are like legitimately like like in TTS? It's possible because we've seen the maps before. But when we actually start playing like legitimate tournaments and people are showing up and paying a lot of money to participate, do you think this card will actually be competitive or is it more of a like, it'll probably see playing TTS, but I don't know how much IRL usage it'll get out. I don't know how much these cards see play, these attack cards, with the exception of the the beams of Cinnabon. Yeah. Cruelty, Cruelty's del- not bad. Sounds delicious, by the way, Bon Cinnabon. Anybody? Oh, the seven uh, Cinnabon buns yeah. of. Uh, Cruelty is okay. I played with it a little bit, ended up getting cut. Um, this one I think has potential because I would say on average you're going to pick up two pieces of terrain with this, and that's not counting the stuff that Magneto's putting out on his own. So he really gets a chance to pump it naturally, and you get to use it in an opportune time where you get maybe both of his terrain pieces out. So you're picking up, you know, four. So you're going to use it at the most advantageous time. So I think that it probably will be a relatively good hit. It's just whether or not you value taking these t- types of tactics cards in your lineup. So so here's the thing that you need to consider into this too. When those pieces of terrain are destroyed with the Brotherhood affiliation, mm-hmm. you get to give power out to the rest of your team at the same time. Yeah. Um, so – Let's say you've got four other guys on your team with Magneto. That's going to be tough. You're probably going to have – let's say you have three, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say you got three other guys. This is effectively a five-cost R&D um, that can deal like 10 dice worth of damage. Yeah. I mean, does that seem fair? Sure. M- minimum, if you're hitting yeah. his two constructs. Yeah, mm-hmm. like that's minimum. And, and you're, you're able to at least give an extra power out to everybody else on your team that turn. There's value in this. Now, sure. now, now the argument to me, like the counter argument would be, well, why wouldn't I want to just spend five and throw two pieces of terrain, give out the same amount of power, but take a guaranteed five damage to a target? Right, which actually, is what I was going to say next. Uh, actually, it would be a guaranteed, let's say it's a three and a two, it would be a guaranteed seven damage to a target because you get plus one due to terrain so, uh, the size uh, for collision, right? So you, you have to decide which is better. Um, and it, I, I think it's situational at best. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can it can definitely do work. I mean, maybe you take the throws if somebody's kind of low and you want them to roll dodge instead of defense, something like that. I mean, it's interchangeable. Yeah. He still gets to pump stuff up. Well, this does get around, let's say, like a brace, to Im- brace for impact. True. Right? So, like, let's say they got a brace and you want to make sure you get the character right now and they don't have the option for the brace. Maybe this is the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it still powers up the rest of your team. There's so many choices to make. Uh, with don't forget, it also has a guaranteed one AoE damage to anything range two of the target. So that's also nice if you need to pick off some bleeding characters. Ping, ping, Mag- ping. Magneto's just got too much to do, man. He's He's got... Too many toys. Look, man, he's a guy. He's a busy guy. Well, let's talk about his busy associate, Mystique. Um, let's talk about arguably one of the most busted cards that have come out. Pretty sure it is the most busted card because it doesn't cost anything. Um, this card does gross stuff. All right. Um, and th- this card does some gross counterplays into things that we've been trying to do here locally as a team. <laughs> um. Deception is amazing. 
um, absolutely demolishes uh, hired muscle plays. It, it penalizes people for trying to make that play, um, especially like when, say, spider infected, where they're, they're trying to move up and move three. This card says, no, you don't. Come back over here. Give me that token back, and I'm going to whoop your ass. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, anything that isolates a character is probably pretty good, right? Yeah. yeah. And this one, this one, if they have this in their, in their hand, it will make you change your mind on how you want to play turn one. Yeah, you don't get to overextend if somebody's got deception. You cannot. Yeah. Th this card is like the, almost like a literal turn zero card because just, just seeing it on the other side of the table is like, uh-oh, I'm worried because what's even worse is it's unaffiliated. So can you imagine having Mystique inside of like uh -huh. yeah. uh, Web Warriors <laughs> or Wakanda sure yep. or uh, Asgard? You're like, yep. hmm, I could run down the field and use Hired Muscle. She or fits I everywhere. Get, I could just is get Mystique punched in the face three? by someone. Yeah, Mystique is like the Flex 3 because of this card. So it's a, it's a really interesting situation. Also, if you try and do like cheeky plays where you throw... Uh, you try and do something spicy where you throw a character down the field and you're like, all right, this guy's going to like tank a bunch of damage and sit on a point. Like deception is really great against criminal syndicate because they want to like spread out and they're like, oh, my one body beats your two bodies. Cool. And you're like, okay, I'm mystique. No, get out of here. Deception. So the other cool thing, uh, you know what? People are going to get sick of hearing us talk about this bomb squad list. Um, <laughs> No, cool I love bomb, bomb squads. Fun, dude. No, well, actually, it's if it's in Brotherhood. What did Chris call it? The uh, whose line is it anyway? Squad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so how did that line go? Nobody has fun. Something about points or something. Yeah, the points don't matter. Oh, um, yeah, where no one has fun and the points don't matter. <laughs> so the, the the gross thing with this is like if you do a, a the Doom prophecy trick with her, and like let's say you get down the first character and you get down the second character and they're like. Whew, well, you're not getting everybody. And then she's like, hey, that dude right there, come here. Yeah. <laughs> Deception. Right, now I'm going to all you got, and let's gun him down too. Let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> yeah, because you ain't got a buddy that's not dazed around you right now. So I, I, I got to have a word with you. <laughs> can like, can I see you in my the, office for a few minutes real quick? Beyond the base mechanics of the card, there's also like a huge mind game element that goes into it. Yeah. Because it forces your opponent to play very defensively. Yeah. They can't sneak a character out like a toad, for instance, and go try to snag something real cheeky with his extra range. Hey, man, don't hit on my toad plays. Toad will get eight by deception. Yeah. Well, I don't well, care how slippery he is. He's still well, going to get it. He, no, because he's got slippery and a medium move. He, he could probably man. survive. He's He'll it. do it. He's going to get toad, it in the face. Toad will survive. I'm on the toad party. Toad train. Hey. Boop, boop. So, so just a quick story about what I did with this card this weekend. <laughs> Poor Joey. Um, so Joey tried to do the hired muscle play into me. With his Valkyrie and stole my token after Toad stole the middle token. So he's like, well, I'm going to steal this one, so I'm going to cap three for sure. And I was like, all right, cool. Deception. I'm going to bring your Valkyrie to my Mystique now that you've overextended. Oh, Lord. And I'm going to daze her. And then I'm going to throw the token range two back towards you and see if you want to come get it. <laughs> and when he came and got it with Doctor Strange, Magneto moved up, punched him in the face, and threw a building at him. <laughs> And dazed him. And then Mystique said, thank you very much for the power, Valkyrie. I'm going to doom prophecy both y'all and kill y'all turn two. Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. Did that happen? Yes, that happened. Oh, yeah. you're not a nice person. It, it, it punishes any overextension. It does. It, it punishes any attempt to get risky or freaky with it. Like, if you step out of line, you're going to get brought <laughs> over here and we're going to eat you. 
Well, and the other thing it does is, um, like, I was trying to play around with the idea of if I needed a card to get around stealth. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't because I have deception now. True. Um, so deception will get around stealth as well. Um, so that's another thing to look at. Now, what it and it also what it does is it makes your opponent play differently because the only way to play around this card is to keep two characters around each other. Mm -hmm. um, and if you don't, or if one of them gets dazed, all of a sudden that other person free reign, mm -hmm. uh, and this can mess up with this can mess you up with point scoring. Uh, this doesn't just have to be a I'm a, oh I'm a, I'm gonna get you. This can this can be a control card as well. Which gives Web this card, Warriors. yeah, this gives this card so much flexibility. Can you imagine how much yank a doink you can do with like deception and then a webline pull and then like if you wanted to be a Mike, you could use deception into Venom and just like snacks people to death. Yeah, because like, that, that was the big problem with Venom is he just can't get there half the time. But the 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 scary thing about deception is it advances the chosen character at speed. So long movers are like the biggest victims of this because if you're not paying attention, you get hit with deception and you've long moved w not only way out of position, but deep into the enemy backfield where you're about to get mugged. Like it's going to hurt yeah. real bad. Like you, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to, you're going to get cut. Chris is going to cut you. I'm ready. He does it. Todd gets yeah. all sexy and goes, walks up to somebody and brings him over here. And I just, yep. yep. Chris cuts bitches. I am never coming to your store after hearing what you just said. I'm I mean, man, look, <laughs> Everybody's got to go through it. I'm scared. No, I don't. That's the only I, way you get to play here. That's, a, that's no. how it happens. Well, then I'm never playing there. Uh, also, I love the fact that Gambit's on the card because so far all the artwork we've had translates to a character. So fingers crossed for Gambit in 2022, I guess, because he's probably not coming out next year. I don't know. Who's Gambit? Bro, get out of here. No, fail. You're out. You're fired. Come on. I to trigger him. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. My trigger is like Gambit's whatever. Limited. Yeah, like, what? Meh. Oh, okay. I see I where you're going. I'm pretty cards. sure. You know what? Gambit's from the South. He probably voted for Trump. I don't pay attention. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> we're just we're just going there. I guess that's okay. not going to make the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will. I don't. I don't want to edit this out. So let's talk about which of these cards, other than Deception, are going to see play before we move on to X Men because I think there's a lot of uh, good stuff in this kit. But I, I do think there's some cards that are much less viable or likely to be picked than others. And well, I once think the again, two Magneto cards are kind of the outliers, right? De Deceptions and auto include like that. It's just a nuts card. Even, say even if it was one power or two power, I'd still play that card. So I, I think I think the three cards you're going to play out of these five um, are Deception, uh, Books, and the Brothership. I think the other two. Um, Magnetic refraction is really going to depend on how many rosters in your well, how many squads in your roster you're taking Magneto for. Yeah, that's why I said they were the outliers. It depends on how much you want to invest in Magneto. Yeah, uh, and and for me, trying to play like with the Doom Prophecy list, like we don't really have Magneto in our rosters above until we get to 17 and up. Mm -hmm. um, but also at 17 and up, I have the Criminal Syndicate as a side mm -hmm. affiliation. Which, if I feel like they might be challenging me for priority, I want to have my criminal syndicate faction. And I just generally am very wary with the six-point characters. That they're so, so such a heavy investment that you got to be able to do work with those characters. Yeah. Like, and I know that I can't play a Thanos like Morgan. So why am I going to mess with a Magneto that costs as much and needs to do as much work? 
Like that's just not for me. Uh, it, it it is a heavy investment, and I, I I will say from the games that I've played with Magneto, I think Magneto's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if I had my choice between Magneto and a Modok, I'd still take Modok. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's unfortunate that that's the true statement. <laughs> He's gonna do some stuff. Like I'm excited to see what good players do with him. Yeah. And people who want to invest in that and really go hard on that yeah. will, will find some success because he does so much. But for me, that's that's a tough call for me. So, um, Sugi, you you got some you've had some reps with these X Men cards, right? Because I hate Scott and I won't play X Men because of what him. a hater, straight up hater. I knew that was coming. That is some hate. We just got to get that hate off your shoulders. Just shake it off, man. Shake it off. But yes, I've had uh, games with X Men. I've had games with Brotherhood. I like both of them. I, I'm actually kind of gravitating towards X-Men. Um, I love Toad. I love Mystique. But I, it's because you're an X-Men simp. Yeah, that makes sense. No, no. I, I think that Mystique and Toad do well outside of their affiliation much better than most of the other characters in the set. Like, I don't like Storm out of X-Men. Scott goes really well. crazy. What? I think Storm's great out of affiliation. And if she uh, comes up and happens to be Wakanda, all bets are off. Well, no, I mean, like, I wouldn't put Storm in, like, Cabal or as Oh, I can see that. But she's I, a three-point flyer. Like, I, I can see I, trying I to make mean, her work elsewhere. Yeah, it's just that she's so much better in X-Men because she yeah. gives you cover and she gives you a, a ninja flip teleport, so womp womp. So there's a couple uh, cards coming out of the X-Men set, but I wanted to talk specifically first off about the Sabretooth and uh, Wolverine cards because I think that these actually are interesting because they bridge a gap between yes they're x-men but they're unaffiliated and so i know chris has a lot to say about them and i I do too but i wanted to start off with exceptional healing is basically odin's blessing and then your weapon x program is basically three power for a pounce essentially um but what's really interesting is how although these are relative to x-men because they're unaffiliated and apply to both logan and victor I think that these two cards have a significant amount of flexibility to be seen as people start to build out of X-Men and Brotherhood and they put one or both into, say, like Asgard or Wakanda or so on and so forth. But I wanted to give Chris an opportunity to talk about it because I know he had a lot of stuff um, kind of building up in his uh, brain stem about how these work. So I want to hear what he had to say. Well, that was kind of it. So <laughs> this uh, this topic came up on the uh, – we did a roundtable podcast with some other content creators. Um, the Jacob from Xavier Protocols and Danger Room put together um, as we kind of talked about the future of the game. And I can't remember who. I'm sorry. I'm not giving you the appropriate credit. I really tried to think of who it was, but I couldn't. It may have been Pat. Um but brought up an interesting point that within these two affiliations, we're getting X-Men and we're getting Brotherhood, we kind of have like a self-contained box with Wolverine and Sabretooth, who, who obviously go to both affiliations. But their cards are sort of unique to them and their play style. Um, we get the exceptional healing that works with characters with healing factor. These are the only two. So it's an Odin's blessing for just these two characters right now. And then we get the Weapon X program, which is sort of like, um, what is it, sibling rivalry? Kind of, yeah. With just Wolverine and Sabretooth. So of, of the other characters that are meant to be played in these affiliations, it seems like they're setting these two up within that to, to be the two that kind of spread out. 
and, and join other affiliations and do interesting stuff with their own set of tactics cards. Um, and I, I think that's a really interesting way that AMG may, or I hope that they do things going forward, where rather than feeling like you got to buy the whole affiliation, you get these little self-contained packs that kind of transport wherever you want them to go. They're not as tied to the affiliation as some of the other cards. Like you want to play Magneto with the Brotherhood. You want to play Mystique probably with the Brotherhood, you know, these kind of characters. But these guys kind of stand on their own as a separate entity. Yeah, to the to your point, um, I got to watch Wolverine played in the Defenders this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Um, and you want to talk about an unkillable motherfucker. <laughs> like... <laughs> Kind of what it sounded like. Yeah, I, like I, I mean, mean, getting plus that, two dice from Strange, healing factor, exceptional healing. He's not long. going down. Mm-hmm. So like playing, uh, no matter the cost in that list, you're like, I don't even care. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever. He's gonna heal, and what he doesn't heal, Wong's got it. Or Strange will get the rest. Like, oh my god, he is a monster in defenders. Yeah, and I feel like Sabretooth, outside of Mystique who I'm interested in because I like the Bomb Squad stuff, Sabretooth is probably my favorite character that's come out of these packs. I think he's awesome. I like that he gets a full attack as a counterattack. I like that he's a long mover. I like the fact that he interacts with exceptional healing, and he also gets you know his healing factor of one. He seems like a great standalone model, so I'm really excited to play him. So to that point, we had a Sabretooth on Sabretooth Battle. Oh. <laughs> um, Uh-oh. Okay. Which which Minion and myself played where it went, Minion, Minion goes, I'm going to attack you with my base attack. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll take two. Um, spend two, I'll counterattack. <laughs> I did two or three damage. He goes, cool, I'll spend two and counterattack. And he did another two to me. And then I was like, cool, I'll spend two and counterattack. And he goes to one health, and then he's like, I'm not risking it. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you guys get into a Venom battle like this, or was that you and Joey? No, that was me and Minion as well. Yeah. Like, so for whatever reason, we just line these characters up against each other, yeah. and they're like, that's the only yeah, thing you're getting. Yeah, you guys getting. also had the uh, Daredevil and Kingpin duel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we either do the multiverse or the uh, arch enemy fights. So, How'd you feel about him as a character? Am I excited for good reason? Um, so... <laughs> Funny story. Um, I was like, I feel pretty good in this matchup, you know, Sabretooth on Sabretooth. I think we'll be fine here. Uh, he walked up to me with a base attack. Yeah. I think he rolled three crits nice. in the initial roll, and I rolled all misses on my defense. And he one-shot my Sabretooth with his. <laughs> and I was like, well, that didn't go anywhere near how I thought it would. Um, that seems like a bad call. So I blind obsessioned his saber tooth with my widow. <laughs> oh wow! And was like, "We're gonna make this happen." So he tried. That's when he was like, "Well, you know what? I'm just gonna try and take out your saber tooth first uh, before your widow gets just <laughs> annihilate my saber tooth." <laughs> uh, and that's when that whole exchange happened. But uh, he he does feel good. Um, anytime a character can heal anything on their turn, feels really good. And that's part of the reason why we like Nebula so much, anyway. Mm. Um, aside from her ability to get rerolls if they're contesting, um, she also has that heal. Um, an, an interesting side note too is uh, Wolverine is also immune to stun, mm. um, which didn't sound like a major thing if you were been playing since the beginning. Yeah, 
But you've got more objectives now in play that actually do stun and cause issues as well, along with some new characters that cause stun. And his ability to avoid stun is actually really handy. Yeah, anytime you can ignore major like status elements, especially he, he ignores stagger on his injured side too, so you can't slow him down and you can't deprive him of power. Not a great combo when you're staring at one of the best assassins in the four threat zone. Like, not a good feel time when Logan's ticked off at you. Yeah, and you definitely don't want somebody that's wounded lining up across from Sabretooth. No. Yeah. They they do not have a good time. They do not want to go to the brothership for the party. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's another. I did do that as well one time this weekend where there was somebody that had four damage on them. And I was like, you know who needs to be at this party? Sabretooth. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Just like, so. <laughs> oh, no, the brothership is coming. Run. Run for your lives. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I, I, I agree, though. I, they do feel like a separate entity, and they do feel like they mesh well with so many other affiliations. I'm looking forward to see if they do an update to the um, affiliation list, and we see these characters popping up anywhere else because it's very possible Wolverine could pop up in Defenders or Avengers. Sure. Um, and, like, Wolverine and Avengers seems, hmm, tasty. Bro, uh, charge for two. Or Defenders. Yeah. like Defenders woof. is... I, I, we've, uh, we've actually speculated about this multiple times. X-Men and Defenders is probably going to be... I don't know if I want to say a tier one roster, but I think it's going to be very popular just because a lot of the characters cross pollinate super well. And, you know, a mystic adamantium slash or a mystic optic blast does not feel bad whatsoever. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, like you have, I, I hope he is in multiple Peters, affiliations. You have hex. I don't even see what's wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the hex and, and there's also a lot of incinerate in there. Mm hmm. Um, which Incinerate feels really good right now as well. Um, I, I also, the other thing that I'm noticing with these characters and these affiliations is there's um, a lot higher physical defense values coming across the board, um, which, uh, like, we've been talking about the Bomb Squad and how much we like it. Um, it feels really it, – it, it feels good, but it also feels tough into certain matchups. And with these characters being able to slot into other rosters, like – they really start to strengthen them against it as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, hats off, man. Good design space. Oh, absolutely. So now let's transition into the affiliated X-Men uh, tactic cards. So we've got three, and they're all actually pretty interesting. I don't think that they're perfect, but they have – I sincerely believe they have legitimate applications. So first one is Children of the Atom. And for zero, you can remove special conditions and you gain one power per special condition. This is probably the outlier of the three we're about to talk about. I like the card, especially since it doesn't cost anything. But the reality is you're probably taking off one or two status effects and realistically you're only gonna hold this in your hand to get rid of like stun or stagger because you can survive with like a bleed or a poison or something else you can you could shake that but getting hit with one of the big ones or even incinerate like you need to take those off immediately and you get a power refund which is kind of nice but it only works on one of your models so I don't, I don't know how I feel about like the consistency of the card just because you really want the big 
tactic cards like med pack, field dressing, um, you know, Odin's blessing. I mean, it really depends on what your affiliation is, but this, this is like, Oh, it's cool. And it's free, but it's super, super situational. It's, it's pigeonholed into a very specific application that if it doesn't happen, you feel really bad about only having a four tactic card hand, I guess. It's, it could be clutch, but the situations in which it will be clutch are so limited and it limits you so much from doing other cool things with tactics cards that I don't know that it makes it anywhere. It, it should be like a team-wide crew of the Milano type deal, but I don't know if they felt like that would be cribbing from Guardians too much or what the deal is. Maybe because it gave power, they didn't feel like they could use it across a whole team, but now, yeah, that for a single a character, impressive. that's rough. I, I can see this gaining value if the game translates to, say, say for example, we know that uh, Inhumans are coming. So if we see a new affiliation that's heavy-handed in dis- dishing out a bunch of status tokens, this card will go up in value and playability. But like right now, most characters only really put one, maybe two status tokens on you. And then you've got a couple of crisis cards that might put a status token on you. So like if we see Mayor Fisk go up in popularity... I could probably see Children of the Atom being played more because uh, Wolverine can ignore the stun. And then if you have other characters sitting on a point and they were to be stunned, you basically remove it and you get a power, which is good because X-Men are power hungry. But if, uh, you know, if you don't see any demon portals, if you don't, or demons downtown. So if you don't see the incinerate, you don't see the stun, you know, you're, you're sticking to like Gamma Shelter and Infinity Formula or Extremis and Spider Infected. I, I just think it kind of drops in stock value, unfortunately. Yeah, this is one of the least interesting to me right now. Um, if condition lists become a thing to consider... That probably goes up in stock a bit, um, but like to me right now, it, it's one of the less interesting cards that they came out with. Well, let, let's talk about one of the more interesting cards, and that would be First Class. Uh, this is another free tactic, which I think is interesting that the X-Men got a bunch of low-cost or free cards given to them, and basically it allows each uh, uncanny X-Men character to not spend power the first time they interact with an objective token in the round that first class is played. And what I really like about this is the X-Men have some really strong superpowers at the three-power range. So being able to combo first class with cards like Hired Muscle gives you the opportunity to yoink points and pick them up without spending your power. And so the first person who, you know, if they're an X-Men, they either need two power if they're not an X-Men or if they are an X-Men, you play Hired Muscle in first class so that you can spend your one power to pull everything back and then first class to pick up the token for free. Um, but the point I'm trying to get to is Logan, Scott, uh, Beast, if you have two or three power, they have a lot of abilities online that are really spicy. So what you can do is use first class round one or round two to pick up a token. They don't spend the power. You go to round two. Now they're sitting on two power. Use advanced R&D off of someone and you can give Scott, Logan, you know, whoever, however much you, power you have available and you can spread it out. So on, on round two, you can pick up an objective and 
and Scott has field leader online to move someone, or Wolverine has three power to charge, or Beast has two power to throw. So it creates a nice environment where X-Men need power to do things, and First Class doesn't cost any power and allows them to retain power while interacting with objectives. And I think when played properly, it's really powerful. Now, I also think you should probably not play it for just one character. I mean, if you have to, you have to, but you're really gaining a lot of value if you can use this on round one and multiple models can pick up tokens and not spend that power. Yeah, I think I think this card, we, we mentioned it briefly, I think this card plays really well with Hired Muscle mm-hmm. um, because it allows you to make that play with a character that's tanky enough to survive an attack uh, and still be able to move the tokens and pick it up and hold ground. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, outside of Hired Muscle, I think it can give you an advantage on some points like Hammers. Sure. Like you pick up a hammer for free or two characters pick up a hammer for free and then suddenly they start with more power to do damage with those hammers or, you know, anything like that. It's just kind of – it's like giving you an early lead. Yeah. Uh, on, I mean, that's, race. That, that's where I feel like it plays better with Hired Muscle because Hired Muscle is by design and by, by how we've seen it played and how we've been using it, um, that's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's trying to press an advantage. Um the, the question is, is that card better than just playing an R&D? Right. Um, so because that's what's effectively going to happen. You're going to switch that card out for R&D. Um, so, and, and I don't know what the answer to that question is long term, but I think on the short term, I, I think we're right. Uh, mm-hmm. Because this way, you still have to spend one power to play hired muscle either way. Um so regardless of whether you take R&D or this, that one has to be spent. Um, but what doesn't have to be happen is you don't have to give up the rest of your character's power with mm-hmm. this. So I think the hired muscle plays coming out of X-Men will be better uh, because they will set you up going forward into the next rounds yeah. where R&D will handicap someone. Right. And um, first class lasts the whole round, so you don't have to worry about just that activation. Right. It counts for all of them. So even if you're able to daze an opposing character, you can pick that token up for free, right. which is pretty huge. Right. So um, my my main problem with all three of these X-Men cards is uh, Scott is on every one of them. The picture on Children of the Atom, Scott looks like he's like, and I don't like broccoli. <laughs> and Gene's like, Scotty, don't. <laughs> Well, if you really don't like Scott on these cards, you're going to hate the last one because that is the classic Scott uh, call to action, the to me, my X-Men. And this is a reverse Avengers Assemble, I guess. So basically, a uh, X-Men Uncanny leader plays this card. They can spend any number of power. For each one power they spend, one allied Uncanny X-Men character can advance short towards this character. So this is not... An offensive tool. It is great for repositioning. It's great for pulling people who are out of position. And uh, obviously people who get hit with a web line, people who get hit with deception, and they're way deeper in the backfield than they should be. Uh, Unfortunately, you only can use it on the leader. And as we all know, Storm is pretty much the only leader for the X-Men because Scott's just not great. Um, Punk ass. Yeah. So, this is the I want attention card. 
<laughs> no, I don't like, know, protect boy. me, protect me. So there, there are applications for this, especially once again, it, it all kind of combos into that hired muscle play. You throw an X-Men out, they play hired muscle, they use first class. If the opponent tries to dunk on them, you play to me, my X-Men with storm and you have them pull back. So they're safe. It's a lot of cards to play. I don't know if it's a great play necessarily, but it does almost guarantee that that character will not die, especially if they're far enough in the backfield that they can't get hit with deception. So there's pros, there's cons. You can also use, to me, my X-Men middle of the game, so like round three or round four, if you're trying to reposition people by playing... Uh, to me, my X-Men, they get a short move, then they get the ninja flip, then they move, or they're already in range to do two attacks. So, like, Scott's a great example. You play, to me, my X-Men, he advances short, then he does the ninja flip, then he puts two optic blasts into someone and either kills them, or he pushes them off the point, which is very, very useful. Um, it It's just dependent on the game state and the board state. It does have application, but it's not like nearly as good as say like the upcoming rainbow bridge or brothership or you know like flat movement that just gets you out of any kind of danger but it's usable it's just a weird card because it's like you can kind of use it sometimes but maybe but you really hope that you're not out of position and getting dunked on in the first place so it's kind of like a control alt delete well it's like a control z like you made a goof so you kind of try and get yourself back into the thick of it i guess so I know what it's for. It's for when you're playing Scott and your nightlight goes out and, and you're scared of the dark. To me, to me my, my X-Men. X-Men. They all run in the bedroom and they're like, it's okay, Scott, we got it. He's like, oh, thank you. Guys, the batteries went out in my visor. Why do you? Why are you such haters? I do not understand this. <laughs> I'm actually not. I just, you know, it feels good. He likes to trigger me. Yeah, it feels good. Bro, I know COVID does hard on y'all, but you don't need to hit on a fake character. Once again, as Chris already said, this brings up a bigger problem that Scott is not a real person. So he's real to me, damn it. <laughs> so as we've discussed these cards for X-Men, I actually think that first class and uh, exceptional healing are probably the two that will see the most play. Unfortunately, one of them is unaffiliated, but technically it's x men Kind of, but I mean, Sabretooth can play it, so whatever. But um, the the X-Men affiliated cards are not as flashy or as powerful as the Brotherhood, but I think they legitimately do have a place, especially when we know that Cable has some kind of movement tech coming up that forced the, uh, the AMG design team to ban drop-off, and then we've got Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch coming, so... There's a, a high possibility that these are kind of built in a bubble where AMG knows what's coming and they go, oh, yeah, these cards are going to be really good when these new models come out. And we're seeing them right now going, well, they're not like super great, but maybe. And so like potentially we could see we could see a resurgence once the uh, the mutants come out later in the year. But right now, as is in November of 2020, comparatively not as exciting, not as interesting, definitely not as powerful. Like Deception, Brothership, those cards are like, ooh, so good. So, so, so good. I mean, can you argue that any affiliation that we have in the game 
right now has a better set of affiliated cards than the Brotherhood? It's a tough question because I know I know for a fact people listening are going to say yes, Wakanda forever. But that's not uh, a sweet. That's one that's card. One card. That's you know, card. I know. But what what I'm saying is, as a devil's advocate, someone is going to say that one card by itself is a better suite than Brothership and Deception. Because you have multiple characters that just go off, as opposed to Brothership is good for teleporting, Deception is good for yoinking, but you can kind of do a lot of that with, not the teleport, but you can do a lot of board-specific terrible things to people with Wakanda Forever. Like getting a Shuri shot, getting a Panther push, and then we've already seen what Okoye can do with her kit. I mean, that one card can activate three or more characters and completely change the course of a round where Brothership sets up big plays, but your dice could potentially do nothing. And then Deception is great if you can yoink someone, but after that, you can't use it again. Whereas, like, once again, Wakanda Forever can literally change an entire game state. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I do think Brotherhood has the better suite in terms of all of the options, but I know for a fact someone who's listening is going to be like, yeah, Wakanda Forever, so I'm going to rep that person. Yeah, I don't know. Wakanda Forever can whiff too, right? Deception well, not, not, if you're going for the, not if you're going for the control aspect, because Shuri is guaranteed to push and Panther is guaranteed to push. I mean, those things can be impactful, but the attacks can whiff. So it, it does things. I mean, Deception is always going to go off. Um, Asteroid M is always going to go off. And it's going to totally change your board position. Um, I mean, I see what you're saying. I think altogether that Brotherhood just has the the better suite of cards. And, and we already acknowledge that Wakanda Forever is the best single card. I think Criminal Syndicate has some cool stuff too, but I don't think they even go as hard as the Brotherhood cards do. I personally, I think all according to plan is disgusting on top of Shadow Org. Like, the, that suite of cards is also very spicy. Well, I, my, my argument would be that while Wakanda has the best single card, um, Brotherhood has the best answers to that card um, that can happen round to round. Um, so that the, the suite, I think, makes up for the one round mm-hmm. uh, because uh, yeah, they, can, yeah. they can definitely reposition and reposition the opponent out of their hand more than Wakanda can in that one turn. And they have two long movers in that team as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that is something else to keep in mind. Uh, I, I think where the Wakanda card benefits is into those affiliations that have less long movers or multiple short movers. And that's where they can really get ahead and, and use that card to really push an advantage. And Brotherhood doesn't have that weakness, uh, with the exception of Magneto, who can actually block a push. I was going to say, if Magneto doesn't have two power, a short push is basically a stagger, which is not great for him. Yeah. I, I mean, I agreed. Like, And that's the thing we've said about characters with short movements from the beginning, mm-hmm. is any kind of push on them feels like a stagger. Yeah. At least he can kind of backstop himself with his uh, metal constructs, yep. which also, I mean, it, it doesn't stop the push. It just creates worse angles. So yep. if he doesn't have the power or he knows that he's going to throw things, he can backstop himself, throw a bunch of stuff. And then if they try to push him, it's like, well, I've got this metal construct on my butt. So you have to push me to the left or to the right. And that's not nearly as bad as pushing me backwards where I'm out of range. So like there's, there's some given, there's some take, but 
yeah, I, I definitely see where you're going. And yeah, Deception Brothership, even books. Books is a solid card. Like, yes, Wakanda does not have books. Wakanda does not have Brothership. Wakanda has Wakanda Forever. And as good as a card as that is, once you've used it, you've used it. Whereas, you know, if you use Brothership to teleport early game and then you whiff on an attack and you use books and then, oh, your guy positioned themselves poorly. So we're going to Deception and then jump, jump them, give them the shiv. Like, yeah, having all those tools available in, in different iterations is really nice because at any given moment, you can take control of the game with just power management and proper utilization of your tactic cards. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm super, super impressed by Brotherhood right now. Yeah, I, I'm a, I think I'm going to play the hell out of them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I know you hate Scott, and, you know, that's fine. I like his uh, I like his character in Marvel Crisis Protocol. I, I don't like what they did to him in the uh, AVX series. But regardless, I think that both affiliations definitely have their place in not only the meta, but in the community. And I think that's the best thing about this release is... AMG could have very easily made two affiliations that are pretty similar, and it's just the flavor. Do you want to be the good guys, or do you want to be the bad guys? And that probably would have sold very well, too. But this version is not only good guys versus bad guys, but they're both fairly aggressive, which is fun, but they're aggressive in different manners. And the Brotherhood has the throw tech, they have the power generation, they have rapid fire, they have movement, they've got counterattacks, and they've got some control, which is great. X-Men are super heavy-handed in, well, in, in the Storm universe. If you decide to use uh, Scott as a leader, it, this conversation is a little bit different. But with Storm as your leader, you've got cover, you've got your ninja flip teleport kind of thing, you've got a really good um, mid-range character, Bruiser, so Beast is an excellent character to move around the board. As long as he's not going up against energy, he's got a stout defense, he can reroll his stuff, he can throw things. Scott is really good at bursting down people or moving them off of points, so if you're playing on like Gamma, he can sit on the main objective and throw optic blasts into people and build power, and then he can throw in that optic devastation, which is in. If you get that off on like multiple models, it's insane. It's so good. Um, Scott can also use field leader to move, like advance people on the board, which is very powerful. Logan is a great target for field leader because he wants to be in the opponent's face and throwing as many attacks into them as possible. His charge is really good, getting two attack, two, uh, two successes on a wild with pierce and bleed. When he takes damage, he can heal it. When he flips, he's a prime target for no matter the cost on either side of his card. He can just go with crazy with uh, Berserker Barrage. I mean, there's some, like, the X-Men are all about fluidity with cool attacks and cool abilities. Um, the Brotherhood are all about building the team that you want and executing that specific strategy super effectively. And I think it's neat because depending on what you want to play, pretty much any given stratagem or playstyle is available between these two box sets. And that's great. That's not super common to see so far. Like generally, you know, Avengers is one, Wakanda is one, uh, Asgard is another. And 
this is kind of like, hey, whatever you want to play, it's here. Also, you can be good guys or bad guys. Go for it. And um, I'm super excited to see how the community evolves and adapts and all the new players that are coming into the game because of this release. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think this is by far one of the most impactful releases they've had. Um, not just on the competitive scene, but like on the casual and, and just the game scene itself. I think this, this release... This release has built up a lot, and people were expecting a lot out of it, and and I think they delivered on all fronts. Personally, yeah, there's there's minimal items in these sets that I think we can say are kind of duds. I don't think any of the characters are bad. I don't think many of the tactics are bad. I do see that the crisis cards in like the competitive realm are not as appealing. However. As a lot of people may or may not know, the casual player base is much, like, significantly bigger than the competitive base. So if if the crisis cards are not appealing competitively, that could mean that they're appealing casually. And if people, I can totally see that. If people are going, man, I was not interested in Crisis Protocol, but I want X-Men, and they go, well, here's X-Men, and then here's a bunch of really fun tactic cards, and here's a bunch of super fun crisis cards – that's a big win because that's going to bring people into the community. They're going to enjoy the crisis cards they play with the models that they bought. And if it's not competitive but people are having fun, who cares? That's exactly what AMG wants to do is sell popular product that people are going to enjoy. And okay, great. Let's do this. Let's play 18 and 14. Let's let's have some fun with, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. Like, I think it's a great win. I, I really think that this is an excellent celebration for one year of Marvel Crisis Protocol with all of the stuff that came out of both of these boxes. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think it puts a nice cap on the end of the year. Or the start of the next year, right? Like, like oh. that's what it is. Like, that's why they got different symbols, right? It's the start of the next year. It's true. So, like, let's see where we go. I yeah. mean, we've had Inhumans spoiled. Um, they got a Bulldog coming out. You know I got a thing for Bulldogs. Eh. Oh, boy. Lockjaw. So. Inhumans. Like, you should eh. keep you What should are you keep talking Scott's about? Lockjaw, head. man. You should keep Scott's head and put it in Lockjaw's mouth. I'm ahead of you already. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Please. No, okay. I'm afraid of where you're going to put the head, but okay. But it's actually going to not be Lockjaw. I'm going to paint him like Jabba. <laughs> Just like your poochie, for, huh? For for listeners who might not know, I am I am a bulldog of aficionado. I have two of them. Uh, they frequent the shop regularly. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna paint that thing like one of my dogs. I'm down. I'm down for this. So before we get on out of here, I definitely want to wrap this up and pose a question to the team. What do you? What is your big takeaway from the entire release? I know we talked about the tactics cards, and our last episode two weeks ago, we built rosters and we've been playing games, and like everyone is talking about the X Men and Brotherhood release because a it's the biggest thing we've had all year, and b it's the last thing we're going to have for the year. But I, I really do feel like interwoven with the competitive and the casual and the good and the bad, there's still so much to unpack. And I want to hear your final thoughts before we get on out of here. I'm like, what's what's your big takeaway from, you know, either X-Men or Brotherhood? And it can be a character or a superpower or a tactic card. Like, like you know, what's the thing that gets you the most excited when you see this and you you want to play it or you, like, talk about it the most at the shop? Go Bomb ahead. Squad. <laughs> Chris with a two-word <laughs> answer. Bomb Squad got better, man. Bomb Squad. Yeah. I, I don't like to play it here, and I don't know that I will, even though it's really good. I think that's more of like a – 
hyper competitive TTS kind of thing. Um, I don't, I don't like to see it here, and I know other people don't really like to, uh, but I don't mind inflicting that on my opponents at, at large. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Bomb Squad got better. That's my biggest thing from it. Like, I don't really care about the characters. I thought I had more fun with the Syndicate and Punisher release. You know what? To be honest, I I, I will say for me. Personally, the most exciting release we had was definitely the Syndicate. Um, I, I think the Syndicate, um, that card, all according to plan, I think is hands down one of the most interesting cards that came out all year. And I got the Punisher. And you got Punisher. No Van. No Van. Not yet. There's still time. No Van, but you got the Punisher. But I, I do think, for me personally, and from our conversations, I feel like Criminal Syndicate was the most exciting and most interesting thing that brought the first card that we've seen in this game that can actually flip a turn on its head. Um, and, and to me, that's insane. But this release is by far the largest release they've had all year. Um, the, uh, they released the most amount of models they have at one time. We have the most amount of new tactics cards we had. We had two objectives come out at the same time, which we haven't had. We had four affiliations come out um, at one time, which is an insane volume of product um, for a game that, that's been releasing monthly where you normally get one or two editions in some manner of that. Um, I, I can almost see, like, even if this wasn't the end of the year, I can see that when they released the X-Men, they would probably be like, you know what, guys? We're going to give you all a month or two to digest Yeah, thank this. you. Thank you for the break. Yeah, like... I think we all appreciate it. <laughs> y- y'all might need a little bit of time to get through this. There's a lot here to digest. So... Um, either either way, like this was a massive release, and, and, and like Chris said, I think um, for us with our local scene and where we're at, we a lot of us have been kind of beating the same drum uh, with the Bomb Squad, and, and I think we've we've come up with a couple different variations of it and and stuff like that. So that that's going to be fun to see how it plays out on TTS over the next coming months. Uh, and to see what people come up with against it. I I, I do think it's really good, um, but I think there's so much play in this game right now where it's at. Um, that I, I don't think any one thing has an advantage. Um, I think Wakanda will lose the crown as best affiliation. Um, we won't see that for a little while because like, you're going to have to go through another whole TTS league and all these things to really to prove a matter. Um, but I, I do think Wakanda's time is limited. Yeah. What about you, Sugi? Yeah, I can definitely see that. So my my big takeaway from X-Men actually has very little to do with the game itself, and it's just the, uh, the fact that the X-Men are in the game. The, the Marvel Crisis Protocol initial release was kind of predicated on very heavy-handed MCU properties. So we've got the Avengers, we've got Black Panther, we've got Thor, we've got Hulk. A lot of the early game stuff was movie-relative. And that's fine. I'm not against that. But the Marvel Universe is one of the most diverse IPs ever invented. Arguably probably more than Star Wars because there's so many characters, both hero and villain. There's so many storylines, so many arcs, so many opportunities. And 
seeing AMG start where we all pretty much expected, you know, all of the big movie IPs that everyone's watching. And then within the year, we completely shifted to X-Men and we already know that Inhumans are on the way. And not only did they make the X-Men, but they made the classic comic book, TV show, video arcade, Marvel vs. Capcom iterations. Whiny Scott Summers. Not, not the Sony versions. I'm excited because the design aspect of the X-Men and Brotherhood 100% showcase that AMG is a bunch of nerds. And they care about the community. They, they could have easily given us the X-Men and they would have been potentially very uninteresting. They didn't have to use some of the names of the attacks from the games and the comics and Marvel vs. Capcom. Like I, I used to play a lot of Marvel vs. Capcom and seeing Optic Blast and Berserker Barrage give me like nostalgia goggles because those are some of the primary things that those characters in the video game used. They used the same artwork and designs for the old characters, not the Fox characters. They gave us multiple heads. So you can do whichever version you want. Like all of the designs that went into the X-Men are the things that get me the most excited because it shows that Marvel and Disney will give the design team the freedom to make the game nerd friendly. It's it's a lot of stuff that could go wrong that we've seen in other games where you've got a design team with a strong IP, but the the parent companies won't let them go full nerd. Like Star Wars Destiny was a great example where a lot of times when a wave or a set was released, it was super favorable to the next movie or the next TV show or the next batch of media that was coming out. AMG's not getting throttled by that. They're just, I, I don't know what the rules of engagement are, but the fact that we have legitimately comic media accurate characters in the game is super duper exciting. Like, I, I don't know if I'm getting this point across, but like seeing them with the freedom to design a strong character base gives me so much hope for 2021. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where they're going. I'm hoping Fantastic Four is this year. I hope now up. that there's been a collective orgasm over the X-Men and everybody's blown their loads everywhere. And it's just like <laughs> come everywhere. And oh, everybody's just oh dear. Spray the inside of their walls. They're like, ah, oh, I finally got to come. It's been a year. Thank God. It's just fucking everywhere. Now they'll do some cool stuff. <laughs> they'll release some fucking cool Why? weird characters. Get back to like the Modoc shit. Like after they squeeze you the fucking come off the walls because everybody's blowing their loads everywhere. <laughs> Oh my god, this went to some dark places. Dark, oh well, I feel like we've got I Deadpool. feel like Sogi's been like pent up and he's been waiting for X-Men. He's like, eventually they're coming. Eventually yeah. they're coming. Yeah. And then I'm gonna come. And then I'm gonna come. No. And then finally it was like Bleh. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, whatever no. sound Sogi makes, probably that licking sound. <laughs> that licking noise. Uh, oh, now, now, now that's in my head. Now that's going to be in every listener's head. They're going to go back and listen to Soogie do that. I, I don't know I, if I do what it I just said was like a Patreon thing or if that's going to the whole audience. You know, whatever. Like, whatever floats your boat. Um, but now that that has been resolved, X-Men hit the table. 
now they could get to some cool stuff. Like, not that the stuff hasn't been cool, but they're going to get to some weird things. And I I really hope they do. Because there's the fact that Modoc came out so early was one of the most exciting things about this game for me. Because at the time, he wasn't a very popular character. We didn't know there was a show coming. Like, all this stuff. It made me feel like they were willing to tap into some of that extra stuff that was, you know, not as mainstream. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Because I feel like our local shop is a bunch of comic book nerds anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, so much so that maybe I should carry comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, to the point that, like, we were looking at the game and we're like, oh, look, hey, it's all the characters from the movie. And then yeah. I was like, but look, they got Modoc. And everybody's like, oh, shit, Modoc. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm in. And, like, we haven't had that that influx of, like, some more of that that stuff from yeah. the comics. I, the, I want the them to get weird with it, man. I yeah. want them to continue to just put out stuff I'm not expecting and that other people aren't looking for. It's not a big name brand thing. Yeah, Moon like, like – like, yeah, Moon Knight, Cloak and Dagger would be fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Runaways would be. Like, I've been screaming for the Runaways forever. Mm-hmm. Give me a telepathic raptor, please. Or just a, a side character. Why don't AMG take the, the lead and make something that's not popular super cool? Spawn. No. There you go. Spawn would be no. awesome. Give, give us a, <laughs> Sorry, that's, a DM that's mechanics. image. Sorry, that's image. <laughs> Wrong company. Nice try, though. Oh, well. Oh, we get Angela. Well, we get Angela. Yeah, we, we get, get a little bit. We get a little All bit. All right. Thank you. We get a Mora. I like a Mora. Yeah, but no, I, I I agree with Chris. I hope they go, like, give us one or two French characters. And I I feel like part of the design behind that might be that they're they're a little worried about sales, right? Like, the, oh, yeah, the, I'm the, sure. They are a business. Like, yeah. they, they, they do have to make money. The competitive players are going to buy it if it's good. Yeah. The casual players are going to buy it if they recognize it. It's right. cool and it's fun for them. So Moon Knight is like a good example of one of those characters that feels a little fringe, but people who like comics love Moon Knight. Yeah. Like he's super cool. So th- there will be things that come out that are going to be interesting. Yeah. You know? um, maybe Marvel doing the Eternals is going to bring out some stuff for uh, Crisis Protocol that we're, you know, people aren't used to or yeah. haven't seen before. So uh, I just I just hope they continue to kind of innovate that way. Yeah. Lacey Sentry. Oh, don't even. Like, I, get, want, I want him to have a die roll at the start of his turn where he just turns on you. <laughs> no, I want, I want like, uh, multiple <laughs> mana. Give me Jimmy Matrox or, um, bro, give me Omega Red. I'll take him any day. There's a ton of stuff I could think of from just the Guardians of the Galaxy universe. Oh, yeah. Like, there's Cosmo, all any of, of the Church of Eternal Truth or whatever it's called. Nova. Adam Warlock. Nova. Adam Warlock. Adam Warlock, yeah. Nova, yeah, the Nova Corps, any of that kind of stuff. So here's a question. Like, we're at this point where we're waiting to see where we're going to go next year. So let me just throw this out to y'all. Do you think we'll ever see, like, non-unique characters in this game? Yes. You think so? Yes. Absolutely, I think we will. Like, I hope not. No, no. I want to see, like, aim scientist, like, spam, where you have just a bunch of these, like, weird aim scientists, like, shooting I don't. I don't know. I think this game is, is too tied up in the individual personalities of the characters. Yeah. I want to see like uh, agents of Hy- like a Bob agent of Hydra. Like Hydra agents would be fun. I'd love that. I, I've seen, that, I mean, that to me feels more like a Warhammer thing. Like you're, if you're going to build an army of nondescript dudes. Yeah, right. That's how I feel. And I'm like with this, like I think uh, the individual characters are the thing that sells it. Yeah, I, and I agree. And like that, that's one of the things that I'm like I'm wondering if that's something that they're they're looking at tapping into. Um, like you can have a Hydra agent, but you can have a max of three. Mm-hmm. Like, um, kind of similar to like, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Destiny, right? Right. Um, like where where things get, you can have a certain number of X. Um, but like, I don't know. Like, 
I, I hope that's a thing that they don't actually tap into this game. I would rather see that used for something like an ultimate encounter. I mean, I'd love to see like shield agents and like have Coulson be like a character, and he comes with a couple shield agents. Blech. Oh, come on, mm-hmm. that'd be fun. No, I don't really want nondescript dude. I don't. I don't want fodder. Yeah, like I, I want to fight the full character. I do hope they release some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff, though, because I like that show. Uh-huh. I, I didn't see. like that show. Uh-huh. I mean, so you know, there were characters in that show that were not, like, Agent George. <laughs> like, th- there was there was actual characters there that you could use. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like, that's what I... The, the main thing I was wondering was what you guys thought about the non-uniques. I'm totally and I, and fine I hope with that's, it. I, I personally hope they don't, but... Nah, I don't, I don't want that. <sighs> We there are plenty of other games where you can play a nondescript dude who gets mashed into a wall somewhere. Yeah, I don't want, I don't want that guy. I mean, it, it, yeah. for me, it's fun because you can have a narrative where, you know, you say, for example, they do like the uh, the AIM, so advanced idea mechanics. You bring a couple AIM uh, scientists, you bring like Red Skull and MODOK, and, you know, you name one of your nondescript characters, you know, Bob. And it's like, oh, yeah, Bob, like, vaporized uh, Thor, and he shot Captain America, and then he got picked up and thrown into MODOK, but he stood his ground. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, that, that sounds really thematic. I don't want Bob to beat up my yeah. superpower. I don't want Bob to take out my Thor. That's bullshit. I don't want Bob to do anything. <laughs> Fuck you, Bob. I want Bob to be a... I got a, I got a hammer. Oh. I'm carrying a hammer that will turn you into pain. Like, you can't even pick this hammer up, and yeah. somehow you got me. You don't know that bitch. Bob could be worthy. Bob ain't worthy. He could be worthy. Now he's working for AIM, he's not worthy. Neither is Scott. You don't know that. I, I do know that. Anyways. Scott's not. Scott's I don't not, like broccoli. Scott's not, <laughs> worth, Scott's not worthy to carry my jock strap. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> I think. <laughs> and I ain't even got one. I think this is an excellent time to wrap up the show so we can all go home and paint our models and play more games with X-Men. So. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Shout-outs to uh, so many amazing people who participated in our Vibranium Heist kit. Thank you so much. Also, if you haven't heard, we've actually started a Patreon to help support covering the costs of uh, you name it. So editing, hosting, writing, streaming, producing, all that stuff. Um, you know, What up, patrons? Yeah. Baby. yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have some Patreon exclusive content. Also, you get to hear the unedited version of this episode, which is a doozy. Todd gave us a nice big chunk of fun content that you really don't want to miss out on. But once again, it does just help support the team and keep all the things that we're doing uh, ever evolving and growing. Because as you've already seen over this past year, we love the community and we're always investing and trying to help give as many resources and tools so that anyone and everyone can come into the Marvel Crisis Protocol universe and have a great time. So please take a moment and check out our Patreon. So there's just a ton of stuff coming up in the pipeline and we're really excited about what Marvel Crisis Protocol is going to wrap up with in 2020 and what it's going to look like in 2021. So we will see everyone next time. Thanks for joining us. And as always... So good, dude! No! Come for X-Men! <laughs> yeah, you got, come on, seriously. Are you trying to do, are you trying to do the licky thing like me? Really? Seriously? All right, that's it. We are out. We are out of here. We're done. I'm done. I'm going home. Good night, everybody.